0: want us to turn this morning in our Bibles to Psalm 42. I want to say that I appreciate our guests that are with us today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to those who are listening online. We appreciate your presence as well. Amen. I'm going to read just one verse of Scripture today. and. Uh, I need the Lord's help today, I need His touch, I need His strength, I'm trusting Him, that He's going to step in and help me. Psalm 42, just one verse of scripture here, although there's so much in this psalm that I love, the way that it opens is... Favorite prayer of mine. As the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That's the way I feel about Him. My soul thirsts for thee, the psalmist said. That's the way I feel. I want us to focus today on verse number 7, something that's been on my heart for several days now, this being the first Sunday of this new year. As I have tried to seek God for direction for this year, this is the verse that I feel impressed upon my heart. Psalm 42, verse 7. The psalmist said this, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me." Deep calleth unto Deep calleth unto deep. We'll talk more about this verse and what it actually means in just a moment. I want to try to do some teaching here this morning, if the Lord will help me, from this simple thought a call from the deep. A call from the deep. Let's put our Bibles down, lift our hands. Lift our voices. Let's ask the Lord to talk to us today. I really, really need his help. Let's pray together, everyone. Jesus' name, would you just worship the Lord again for a moment here before you're seated. Everybody, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's worship the Lord together. I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I worship your name. God bless you. You may be seated today. According to the Bible, God puts something very deep in the heart of humanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, King James Bible reads this way.
1: He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart.
0: I want you to notice this. Also, he hath set the world in their heart.
1: So that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end.
0: Now, that's a little bit of a confusing statement, the way that the King James translates it for us. Because we know that God doesn't want the world in our hearts In fact, the Bible goes so far as to say that if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not even in him. So there's got to be another explanation for all of this, and indeed there is. As I begin to look into this verse from Ecclesiastes, I find that this word world here actually means something that is properly concealed, generally time out of mind, whether past or future. That is, in practicality, eternity. Let me just show you a few other translations of this verse that I think will help clarify. The complete Jewish Bible says he has made everything suited to its time. Also, he has given human beings an awareness of eternity. The Amplified Bible said he has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. The English Standard Version says he has made everything beautiful in its time also He has put eternity into man's heart. I submit to you today that there is something very, very deep that's created within our hearts that keeps us from being satisfied with the superficial and the shallow, and especially when it comes to spiritual things. Now, I'm convinced personally That it is this eternity that God put within us that causes us to be searching constantly for something more, for something greater, for something deeper. I believe that this helps to explain the marvel of human inventiveness and technological process or progress as as we human beings are always seeking to go deeper. In our understanding. but I also submit to you. That deeper knowledge. Deeper intellect. Deeper human relations. Deeper emotional experiences. Are not going to satisfy this longing. Or fill this void. And yet it drives humanity. Nonetheless. The only thing that will ever. Satisfy this eternal call. Is a deeper. Relationship. With our creator. I want to remind you. That we were not just created. As the result of some. Haphazard evolutionary process. That's led us to the point. Where we are today. I'm here to tell you. That we were created. According to the scripture. In the image of God. And God's depth. Is beyond our comprehension. Psalm 92, verse 5. O Lord, how great are
1: thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep.
0: Thy thoughts are very deep. Romans chapter 11, verse 33.
1: O the depths of the riches.
0: of the riches. Both of the, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. How unsearchable, How unsearchable are, His are His
1: judgments. And His
0: ways, and His ways past, past, finding, out. finding out. I'm telling you, there is a depth to this God that goes beyond our ability to fully comprehend. And yet, God created us in His image. There's something in our hearts. There's something in our spirits that we cannot be satisfied with something super. Superficial with something that is only, amen, shallow, but there's a desire down inside of us. We want to know more. We want to experience more. We've got to go deeper in Him. Even though we cannot know the full depth of His wisdom and knowledge and ways and thoughts, we are nevertheless constantly Being called to know more. To experience more. To feel more. Well, hallelujah. There is a call from the deep that goes forth to us on a regular basis as God is doing what he can to draw us to a place That is not, and and, and I want to be careful that I don't get too far ahead of myself, but I'm going to tell you, Brother Goff, this is the problem with modern religion today, including modern Christianity, including much of modern Pentecost. Is that we get satisfied if we can feel a little tingle of something, if we can have a, a shed a few tears, if we can have a little bit of of some kind of a relationship with God, we can make our profession of faith. And and I know as apostolics we say, oh no, 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 that's too shallow. But I want to tell you what some Pentecostals are trying to live on is just as shallow. We've got some experience way back when where we talked in tongues a little bit. But I'm here to tell you today that God is trying to stir something in the hearts of his people that we would go far deeper that we would not be satisfied with just an experience from yesteryear or even yesterday or even last night or even this morning but I'm telling you the God that created us Put such a depth inside of us, and it's longing to plunge the depths of the one who made us in His image. Yes, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in our text, Psalm 42, and verse seven, the psalmist said this:
1: "Deep calleth unto deep." Deep
0: calleth unto
1: deep. At the noise of thy waterspout. Noise
0: spouts. of thy waterspout.
1: All thy waves and thy billows thy are gone over thy me.
0: Billows are gone over me. Deep calleth unto deep. Now, as I pointed out to you, this psalm began with David's cry that Lord as has the deer that is hunted in the forest, has run until his lungs feel they will collapse. His tongue, needs to be refreshed. And he's panting, hoping to find a brook of water somewhere where he can get a drink and continue on his way to avoid becoming the prey of his enemy. David said in that same way, my soul is craving for you. My soul is longing for you. And then he states in verse 7, the deep calls to the deep. Dr. Albert Barnes said that the language used here would seem to imply the psalmist was near some floods of water, some rapid river or waterfall. In fact, I can just interject here. This is not what Dr. Barnes said, but I've been I've been to. The area of En which was a place that David was known to run to when he ran from King Saul. It was an oasis in the middle of the Judean desert. It was a hideout among the cliffs and the rocks. A beautiful place where there were waterfalls and streams and babbling brooks. It was a gorgeous refuge. I've stood there in awe of the hand of the Creator recognizing and wondering how many of the Psalms did David write from this very viewpoint. And perhaps this is even where he was then. But I go back to the writings of Dr. Barnes. He said it is not possible to determine exactly where he was, but it would seem most probable that it was in the vicinity of the upper... A portion of the Jordan, and doubtless the Jordan, if swollen, would suggest all that is conveyed in the language used here. The word rendered deep in the original Hebrew means properly a wave, a billow, a surge, and then a mass of waters, a flood. Here it would seem to mean merely that wave or billow. And the word calleth here means one wave seems to speak to another or one wave responds to another. In other words, what what Dr. Barnes is trying to say is that the language of Psalm 47 too paints a picture That one wave would roll over and consume the next. That here would come another wave and it would would consume the one before it. And it seemed as if one was calling to the other. That one was craving for the other. That there was something in the heart of one billow that was saying come and roll over me. Engulf me again and take me even deeper than what I I am right now. Amen. And so it is in my opinion, the way that our relationship with God works, the deeper we go, the more waves we experience. Amen. The more we cry for deeper and higher waves to consume us yet again and again and again. We simply cannot be satisfied with a minimal or even moderate level of relationship with or knowledge of the Holy One. Now, a few moments ago, I stated that God's depth is beyond our comprehension. And I stand by that statement. Nevertheless, I am convinced that it is not outside our ability to pursue though we may never in these earthly bodies attain the full depth, we do have the ability, yea, even the desire, to go after it. And furthermore, it is well within the ability of God to provide everything that we can possibly attain. Well, hallelujah. In fact, I contend that God desires to reveal his depths to his people. I contend it is the heartbeat of God that he is the one that is crying out for greater depths. Not from himself, but he's warning us and the small ripple that we make To be consumed by the great billows of his glory and excellency and power. I want to tell you if there's anything that I hope to accomplish in this little Bible lesson today. I want to create a desire in the heart of God's people that we're no longer satisfied, Brother Golf, to stay where we are. I'm thankful for everything God did in 2022, but I'm telling you, I'm not satisfied. I'm grateful, but I am not content. Oh true church, hear your pastor today. God is calling out to us, God is speaking to us. I hear the voice of something much deeper that's crying. Oh God, There is something much deeper that God is trying to get across to this congregation. There's a place we've never known. There's a place we've never been. There's a place we've never even imagined. And the deep is calling today. Come, let me engulf you. Let me surround you. Let me take you there. This is the desire of God. It's the heartbeat of God. Consider a few verses here. Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 22.
1: Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth the kings and setteth setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know know understanding. Now
0: listen to verse 22.
1: He revealeth the deep. He revealeth the deep. And secret things.
0: secret things.
1: He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth within him.
0: He revealeth the deep and secret things. That's the God we serve. They may be deep. They may be secret God doesn't want them to stay foreign to us. He wants to show us the depths. He wants to reveal those secrets to his people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Listen.
1: But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him.
0: Now, now hang on. Before we go to the next verse, I hate to destroy... Beloved theology for so many. But this verse, though it's been put into songs and used at funerals, this verse has absolutely nothing to do with heaven. Nothing. Got real quiet. It has nothing to do with life after death. I know that's the way it's always used. How great heaven's going to be. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Now now listen, Paul is actually quoting from the prophet Isaiah here. Or he's not giving a direct quote, but he's referencing. He's he's making um, a reference to A passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 64 and 4. We won't take the time to read it. You can write it down if you want to. Isaiah 64 has nothing to do with heaven. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 has nothing to do with heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is talking about the wisdom of this earth compared to the wisdom of God. There's a whole lot of other things being discussed in this passage, but heaven is not one of them. Now, let me prove to you, because, church, what, I, what I've said so many times, if you're going to understand the Scripture, you've got to always take it in context. And and you can't just read one verse and stop. And that's what people have done. So I want you to notice this is verses 9 and 10. And if you don't believe this, open your Bible. It's in your Bible. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 9 and as it's written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. Now that's Paul's making reference back to what Isaiah said in the Old Testament. He said, "That's what was written back there." Then notice what he says in verse 10.
1: But God hath but revealed them.
0: God hath revealed them unto us unto by His us. Spirit. They didn't understand some things, but we've got a better understanding today than the prophets of old had. He's not talking about heaven, but I tell you what he is discussing. He is discussing. Let's let's read on because he tells us what he's talking about. Read for the spirit searcheth for the spirit all things. The spirit searcheth all things. Yea, the, yea, deep, the deep things the of God. Deep things of God. This is what Paul's talking about. He's saying to the church at Corinth. In fact, you can read this letter. He tells them you're a bunch of babies. You're carnal. You, you need to be teachers, but you're, you're you're still having to be taught. You haven't grown up. And he's saying, "Listen to me, Corinth. God's got some deep things that He wants to show you, and He'll reveal them not through our own intellect. We're not going to get enough degrees behind our name to figure out the things of God. But I tell you what, if we can go deep enough in the Spirit, God." wants to reveal to us things that nobody else has ever seen. God wants to show us the mysteries, the hidden things. God wants to expose things to his people through the power of his spirit. Oh, hallelujah. God has revealed them to us, Paul said. We, we have a clear understanding. God is in the business of revealing these mysteries to us. God's in the business of showing us the deep things of God. Hallelujah. But they'll only be revealed by His Spirit. To the church at Ephesus, Paul also wrote about our ability to receive Comprehension of the d- deep things through the Spirit. Listen to Ephesians chapter three, verses sixteen to nineteen.
1: That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, uh-huh. may be able to comprehend. May
0: be able to comprehend
1: with all saints.
0: Now, now please, I-, I want you to get what I'm saying this morning. I, I hope. Nobody stayed out partying too late last night. Can't quite stay alert this morning. Please be alert. We need more alerts. Some of you will catch that when you wake up. Um, but notice what he says that he would grant you, verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, you, he said, we're 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 going somewhere. We're growing. Things are happening to us spiritually for a reason. When you become rooted and grounded in love, you may what in verse eighteen
1: be able to comprehend. You may be
0: able to comprehend. Read
1: with all saints, with all saints what, is the breadth, what is the breadth and length and depth and, depth, and, height, and height and to know, and the, to love know Christ, the love of Christ which, path which is path passes knowledge, knowledge that, you might be that you
0: might be filled with all the, with fullness, all of the God. fullness of God. Hallelujah. Did you hear what Paul said? If we can start growing in him, if we can become rooted and grounded in him, then God can help us to comprehend amen with all saints. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height, the the love of God that passes everybody else's knowledge. God can help us understand it. God can give us grace to be able to comprehend it. God wants to show saints. I can't tell you how much I'm feeling right now as I'm preaching to you. God wants to reveal these things. God wants to show us these things. God wants to roll back the curtains and let us see things we've never seen before. Hallelujah. It is the desire of God to reveal His secrets unto us. It's the desire of God that we get to the place that God can entrust us with things, that He can tell us things, that He can show us things. Saints of God, hear me. God's calling this church Listen to me, God wants to use some of you in dreams, in visions, in gifts of the Spirit. God wants to bestow these things upon his people. God wants to reveal the secret things to us. It's his desire. You know, when you learn some bit of information That's just so wonderful. It's just built in us that we want to tell somebody. We want to share it with somebody. I've said many times that there are a lot of things I've got to teach a new convert. A lot of things I've got to teach them. But I've never yet had somebody get a good case of the Holy Ghost that I had to tell them that night. Now, you go out and tell somebody else what happened to you. There's something about it. That when the Holy Ghost comes, it just stirs it up within us. And we want to tell someone, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think this innate desire to share good things comes from? It's a part of the image of God that was created in us. You see, that's the way God is. He's got these great and wonderful things. Listen to me. I know the world is going stark raving mad. I know it's going crazy. I know this is the most ridiculous era in a long time. I don't want to say ever because you get to study in ancient Rome. You go back. It got pretty wild back there. But in recent history, we're in a crazy world. We're in a crazy world. But this is not the time for us to fear. It's not the time for us to live in worry and doubt. I want to tell you, God's got secrets he wants to tell us. God's got things he wants to show us. God wants to make a way for his people. God wants to reveal himself to us. God wants us looking to him, trusting in him. Is anybody hearing me today? God's got things. This is our hour. The darker it gets, I preached to you last Sunday about the light. The darker it gets, the more we're going to shine. But we're only going to shine if we'll let God start doing something in our hearts. Listen to me, church. We've got to be more than just a little match right now. We've got to go deeper. We've got to let the flame burn brighter. We've got to get a hold of something we've never had before. God is calling us to a depth we have never known. This is supposed to be a Bible lesson. and I'm doing more preaching than I am teaching right now. There are two basic areas I want to talk about. I believe God wants for us to go deeper in or in which God wants us to go deeper. Proper English there. First, we need a deeper relationship with God in the Spirit. We need a deeper relationship with God in the Spirit. I mentioned a while ago we've grown content Too many have grown content. If they can just talk in tongues once in a while and everything's okay. If I can get my goosebumps once in a while, I'll be all right. If I can do a little dance, a night or two out of the month, then I'm happy. But living for God is so much more than just a few words in tongues and a few dance steps. I've watched people, in fact, my first pastorate, I had people there, they worshiped. I'm telling you, there was no problem with worship. The moment the music started, they were on their feet and they were ready to go. They knew how to worship, but they didn't know the first thing about living for God on Monday morning. Just because you can dance and jump doesn't mean you've got a deep relationship. Now, I'll tell you, if you've got a deep relationship, you may not dance and jump, but you will do something. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying here. A deep relationship is not sitting quietly, unmoved. There will be a response. But I'm afraid we focus too much on the response and not enough on the relationship. Now church, we know uh, it's, it's, it's gotten real quiet here. And I know that everyone at least thought amen, if you didn't say it, when I said that we need a deeper relationship with God in the Spirit. I'm sure that everyone at least thinks amen. We, we know that to be the case. But church, again, it's not enough to just shout amen. At some point, we've got to make up our mind to pursue that deeper relationship. And we know what it's going to take. I don't have some marvelous revelation that if you do X plus Y plus Z, square that three times and find the cube root, then suddenly you're spiritual. We know what it takes. Prayer and fasting. You know, Daniel was a man greatly beloved of God. That's what the Bible says about him. The angel spoke to him and called him greatly beloved. Daniel was a man who saw visions, a man who was able to interpret dreams and interpret handwriting written on the wall, which was quite an amazing feat. There were only four words written on the wall, and yet Daniel gave us an entire paragraph of translation. He knew not just what the words were. He knew the intent of God's heart. He was able to express God's mind. But how did Daniel get that kind of relationship? He tells us how in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3.
1: And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes.
0: I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I determined, Daniel said, to seek God through prayer, and fasting. Now, I only gave you verse 20 in Daniel, but we really need to do 20 and 21 to get the full understanding of why I chose these two verses. Because this was Daniel 9, verse 3. This is how the chapter opens, that Daniel is seeking God in prayer and fasting. And the result of his prayer and fasting, Daniel chapter 9, read verses 20 and 21. And
1: While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God.
0: All right, that, that's verse 20. Now he said, in verse, he, said, he said in verse 3 that this prayer was accompanied with a time of fasting. And so again verse 20 he's telling us that while I was praying what happened in verse 21
1: while I was speaking in prayer
0: while I was speaking in prayer
1: even the man Gabriel, even the man gabriel whom I had seen in the vision
0: yes. at the beginning
1: being caused to fly yes. swiftly touched me about the time of the evening evening oblige, oblige, oblation
0: now here's what i'm telling you daniel saw an angel the angel gabriel appeared to him but it was after a time of prayer and fasting. Church, we cannot get away from the obligation that we have to pray and fast. Now listen, if we're going to go to the depths of God and we're not there now, that means we're going to have to pray more than we're praying now we're going to have to fast more than we're fasting now. If we're going to go deeper than we are now, we're going to have to pray and fast more than we are now. Oh, I'm not getting quite the response. I need to get today but look this is not a new revelation we know this to be the fact we know this is how it's going to come we know what God's calling us to do my plea today is hear the voice of the deep calling to us and make up your mind to respond I can teach you about prayer, but I can't make you pray. I can preach to you about fasting, but I can't make you fast. You got to make up your mind. I want to go deeper. And so I'm going to pray more. And I'm going to fast more. Listen, saints of God, we understand. That this is how we get our greatest level of victory over the devil. Matthew 17, 21, Jesus said, Howbeit this, kind, this goeth, kind goeth not, not out, out but, but by prayer by and prayer fasting. And Fasting. Jesus said there are some devils you're just not going to overcome unless you spend some time in prayer and fasting. Listen to me, church. There are devils that are being unleashed on us in this last age. We're not prepared for at the moment. I'm just being honest with you. Most of us are not ready for the onslaught of hell that's about to come. We better get ready. We better spend some time praying and fasting. Once the devil attacks, it's too late to start praying and fasting. We need to do it now. We need to prepare ourselves now. Right, right. Hallelujah. 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 There's a reason why boot camp doesn't come during the war. or at least not during the time you're fighting. You've got to be trained. There's some things you got to learn. There's some things that need to happen to make sure you're not too soft, to get some of the fear out of you, to help you to obey orders. When you can't think for yourself, Prayer and fasting need to happen now, not during our most intense battles. Listen to me. Rather than worrying about getting in the Spirit, I've heard that around Pentecost all my life. Been in Pentecost for over 50 years now. All my life I've heard about people getting in the spirit, dancing in the spirit, shouting in the spirit, running in the spirit. But let me tell you, all that's fine and good. But there's something deeper than that. Romans chapter 8,
1: verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God.
0: As many as are led by the Spirit. That's not talking about when the music's just right. And you know I'm not preaching against worship. You know I I love worship. I want worship. But I'm telling you that what Paul's discussing in Romans 8 14 is not about dancing or running the aisles. He's talking about our day-to-day life. We've got to reach a place where we're walking with God to the point that He can lead us every day. In fact, that takes me to the next one, Galatians 5, 16.
1: This I say then. This I say then. Walk in the Spirit. Wait a
0: minute. Not dance in the Spirit? Not shout in the Spirit? Not run in the Spirit? This I say then.
1: Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You shall not fulfill
0: the lust of the flesh. Saints of God, this is the call to the deep. That every day we are learning to walk in the Spirit. How do I know when I reach that point? Well, this, the verse tells you. When you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you start screaming, yelling. You lose your temper. You just gave in to the lust of the flesh. Somebody mistreats you, and you got to give them peace of your mind. You just gave in to the lust of the flesh. You have an opportunity to be dishonest and make a little money. You're giving in to the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Therefore, as long as you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you are not walking in the spirit. I submit to you today, we've got to go deeper in our walk with God. There's a second area where the deep is calling to the truth church. And I touched on it a little bit in the last couple of midweek services. We need a deeper grasp of God's Word. I'm not just talking about learning when you come to church. Now, I appreciate being called a good Bible teacher. I thank you for the compliment. But I'm going to tell you something, church. I don't want you to be entirely dependent on my ability to teach for you to learn anything. Second Timothy two fifteen says this: "Study to show thyself to show thyself approved, approved unto God unto God." A workman, a workman that needeth, that not, needeth to be not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly the, dividing word of truth. the word of truth. Now listen, you may not be a Sunday school teacher. You may not be a song leader. You may not be a musician. But if you're in the kingdom of God, you are a workman. And if you want to be a workman, that's not a shame. There's only one way to accomplish that, and that is you're going to have to spend some time studying. You're going to have to get your nose into this book. The Amplified Version says study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That's incumbent upon every one of us to start going deeper in the scriptures. We understand the purpose of God's word. We understand the benefits of God's word. If you don't, you haven't been around the Truth Church very long. I've done my best to convey to you that God's word is indeed the sword of the spirit. It is our defense. It is our weapon of defense. A knowledge of God's word protects us from temptation. What did Jesus do when he was tempted? Now he was God in the flesh. We know that 2,000 devils begged him not to torment them. But when he was looking Satan eyeball to eyeball, he didn't just say, I rebuke you. He was showing us something. He was teaching us something by his example. He was trying to let us know this is what we've got to learn to do. Matthew chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And when the tempter came to him, he said. When the tempter came to him, he said.
1: If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said. But Jesus answered and said. It is written.
0: It is written.
1: Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God.
0: And so the devil comes to him a second time and says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus, what did he do in response? Verse 7, Jesus
1: said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I skipped to the third one. So the second time, the devil took him up to the pinnacle and showed him all of these kingdoms. And and, and while he was up there, he said, if you'll throw yourself down, he said, the Bible says the angels will catch you and that they'll keep charge over you. But Jesus responded, it is written, uh, uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus said, if I put myself in a position where God has to try to bail me out, that's tempting God. He dealt with the devil through the word. And then, then, and then, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and said, If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give all these to you. And so it was this third time that Jesus responded in verse 10, Matthew 4, verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get Get thee hence. So finally, he rebukes the devil, but he doesn't do it by a simple rebuke. He adds something to it.
1: For it is written. For it
0: is written.
1: Thou shalt worship worship the Lord thy God God, And him only
0: shalt thou serve serve. I'm telling you he didn't just say I rebuke you But he threw in some scripture Jesus was trying to teach us something Saints of God We can only do that if we know the scripture We're not going to do that If the only time we open this book Is when we're sitting on a church pew We're not going to be able to come back at the devil You hear me The devil knows the Bible better than we do And he knows how to quote it to us to try to get us to justify our wrongdoings. And if we don't know the scripture for ourselves, we'll fall prey to his temptation. We've got to go deeper in the scripture. It is a knowledge of God's word that protects us from temptation. It is a pursuit of God's word that protects us from sin. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, "Thy words have, thy I, word mine heart, have I hid in my heart, that I might, that not, I might not sin, 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 sin against, against thee. thee." God, I want to go deeper with you. I want to know more about you. I want to experience more of your power. How am I going to do that? I'm going to hide his word in my heart so I don't follow the paths of sin. And it's a love for God's word that will protect us from deception. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness
1: in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause now, God now notice,
0: shall... notice verse 10, they receive not the love of the truth. Verse 11, for this cause.
1: God shall send them strong delusion. For what
0: cause? Because they didn't love the truth. They didn't love the truth.
1: For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Wait a
0: minute. Who's going to send the delusion? God. How do you recover from a delusion God sends you way? Any delusion that overtakes us, we cannot overcome on our own. We've got to have help breaking free of that delusion. But if God's the one that sends it, how do we break free? He's going to send it to those who don't love the truth. If the only time we pick up our Bible is when we come to church, I seriously doubt that you love the truth. Well, hallelujah. I know this is not what you, probably not what you hoped for or expected on this first Sunday of 2023. But it's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. God wants to say to us. God's trying to take the truth, church, somewhere. He's trying to call us to a deeper depth. He's trying to show us greater things. But, church, we've got to make up our minds to go after it. We are the ones. Amen. It's resting in our hands. It's up to us. We've got to make the next step. We've got to put forth the effort. God's ready to do it. We're the ones that have got to pursue it. Now listen, there are benefits. There are things within our spiritual walk that will be so much more effectively accomplished when we really go deeper. I want you to think about this. We've often talked about The wise man and the foolish man, the houses they built. But I noticed something, Brother Goff, in reading this parable from the book of Luke. Usually uh, I I read it from Matthew, but but I I got to reading uh, Luke's rendition of it. And Luke just adds a little something in there. Uh, Again, it's not contradictory from Matthew, but it's just one little detail that Matthew didn't include. uh, And and it's very possible that uh, Luke was was relating a different time that Jesus preached the same message. I think he preached the same message more than once. He spoke to more than one crowd that needed to hear what he had to say. And so maybe Jesus told it a little different from the perspective that Luke was given. I don't know, but there's just one little difference. Again, not a contradiction, just one little detail. Now I want you to read for me from the book of Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Listen to this. And why call ye
1: me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever come up to me, and heareth my sayings, heareth and, my doeth sayings them, and doeth them, I will show to you, show you to whom to he is whom like. like. And he is like a, man like a man. Now which, listen,
0: he's like a man
1: which built, which a, house. built a house and diggeth deep. And Dig deep.
0: Matthew simply said he built on a rock. But Luke gives us a little bit more detail. That that rock wasn't just readily available. It wasn't just a stone he saw sitting out here and decided to build a house on it. But he went down to the bedrock, if you please. He went down deep enough that he understood he laid his foundation on that bedrock. And what happened? And laid the foundation on a rock. Yes. And when the,
1: flood when rose, the
0: floods arose, the stream the beat immediately behem- 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 upon that, that house, house and, and could not shake
1: it. For it was founded because upon a rock. It was
0: founded on a rock. I'm telling you, here's what Luke said. He said, you want to build a strong house? You want to build on the right foundation? You want your house to be able to stand the storms of time? You dig deep. You go deep. If you go deep enough, your house will stand. I read... On a construction website, they made this statement I thought was worth quoting. They said, if depth of the foundation is greater than its width, the foundation is called a deep foundation. If it's deeper than it is wide. Well, hallelujah. You think about it. A building that's 60 feet wide. To have a deep foundation, it would have to go more than 60 feet deep. Well, hallelujah. I want a deep foundation. I'm telling you, I see far too many in Pentecost today. And I'm not trying to throw stones I'm just trying to issue a warning to this church not to get caught up in the shallow form of Pentecost that is flooding our ranks today. Don't get caught up in the lights and the fog and and all of the trappings that, that are happening around. I want to go deep. I don't want the shallow experience that's out there. I want something that goes all the way down to bedrock. I want to build a building that's going to stand the test of time. You know, I I was talking to somebody. I don't know. It was one of the one of the overseas trips that I'd made, and and we were discussing the ruins that we've seen. I've I've seen ruins. I've, I've 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 walked in streets that were laid two thousand years ago fact, we visited one island. They say it was probably the oldest city in the world. They date it back. They date it back. Now, I, I'm not telling you that I necessarily agree with all of their dating, but they date it back to some 6,000 years before Christ. And there are still remnants of those buildings standing. Do you think there is one building built today that would still be standing 8,000 years from now if the Lord tarried his coming? There's not one modern structure that's going to last 8,000 years, or even 2,000 years, and I've seen plenty of remnants, temples, columns, and buildings from more than 2,000 years ago, still there, not in their entirety, but much more than what's going to be left of these buildings. But you see, they built them differently back then. They built them to last. In fact, they were so strong and so secure that archaeologists today have to dig through layers because the next civilization had to just build on top of the one before it. Not so today. Not so today. I want to tell you something, church. I want to build a spiritual house that's going to last forever. I'm not just looking to feel good once in a while in a red-hot apostolic service. I want a relationship with God that's going to carry me through the toughest of times. It's going to walk me through the darkest night. It's going to take me through the deepest valley. Come on, somebody. I want to create a hunger in the hearts of God's people today. I want us to build something with a deep foundation. I've heard people talk about various sermons saying it was a mile wide and an inch deep. And I've heard some of those sermons in my lifetime. A mile wide and an inch deep. I'm afraid there are too many people of God that that describes their experience as well. God, help us. Our spiritual house Will be stronger when we build on a deep foundation. Let me tell you what else happens when we go deep. Our efforts to reach others are far more effective when we're plunging the depths. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. Listen to this.
1: Now when he had left speaking and said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. Listen. And have taken. We've toiled
0: all night.
1: And have taken nothing. And
0: we've taken
1: nothing. Nevertheless.
0: Nevertheless. At
1: thy word. Thy word. I will let down down the the net.
0: And what happened?
1: And when they had done this done,
0: done, they enclosed enclosed a great great multitude of fishes fishes, and their their net break. I want you to see. Simon said, we've been doing it all night, Lord. We've been trying and trying and trying, and we're just getting nowhere. We're not getting anything. We're not pulling anything in. We're not getting any fish. We're not catching uh, anything tonight. We've already tried. We've spent all of this time. We've toiled. We've labored, and nothing has happened. But we'll do what you told us to do. Well, what did he tell them to do? In verse 4, he said, Hey, boys, let's go deeper. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's go deeper. Saints of God, you want to know where our revival is at? Do you want to know where revival is that's been promised, that's been preached about, evangelists have come through and talked about? You want to know where it is? It's in the deep. It's in the deep. It's in the deep. Somebody hear me today. It's in the deep. It's when we get into the depths. That's when we're going to start bringing in more than we're even prepared for. Their nets were not ready for what they took in. I'm telling you, that's the revival God has for the true church. But we got to get out of the shallow water. we got to go deeper than we've ever been before. But there is a multitude that's waiting on us out there. If we can just get into the depths... Oh, Jesus. My God, my God, I love you. Let's stand today. I'm closing. Hallelujah. God is calling this church to a deeper depth than we have ever experienced. Hallelujah. That involves going deeper in the Word and deeper Hallelujah. in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to do my best in the year 2023 to lead us as a congregation into the depth. But as I said a while ago, I can teach you to do it, but I can't make you do it. Somehow you've got to decide you're going deeper. I have plans this year, once a quarter, I want to do an all-night prayer meeting. It's been a while since we've done it. I think we need to do it again. Once each quarter, I want an all-night prayer meeting. But I want to tell you something, saints. Just me calling an all-night prayer meeting is not going to get us where we belong. You're going to have to have a few of those by yourself. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost drawing us right now. I'm going to do my best to help you go deeper in the Word. I've got plans. Lord willing, next week, Lord willing, I said, I'm not promising, but next week I'm going to just start some basic Bible classes in this adult Sunday school class. Just take us back to the basics and try to lead us deeper week by week. Tuesday nights, Lord willing, I want to focus on separation from the world. Try to help us find the favor of God like we've never known it before. I'm going to do my best, saints. To help us go deeper in the Word and deeper in the Spirit, but I can't make you go there. I can point you in that direction. I can try to make it appetizing for you. But you've got to have the hunger, and you've got to have the thirst, and you've got to have the desire to go deeper in the Word. And the Spirit. In fact, isn't that what real worship is? What did John four and twenty four tell us?
1: God is a spirit.
0: God is a spirit. And
1: they, that, and worship they him that
0: worship him
1: must worship him must worship him in spirit, in spirit, and in truth,
0: and in truth, in spirit, and in truth spirit and truth draw me deeper God take me deeper take me God to a place I've never known in you I try every year to give us a theme for the year. I want to tell you. I really feel like our theme this year. Is that this is the year. Of death. I want us to go deeper church. My heart. Aches. To go deeper. There are places we've never been. Things we've never seen. just a few weeks I'll turn 63 I I don't have a whole lot of good years left it's just a fact I don't have nearly as many good years ahead of me as the years I have behind me it's just a fact if we're going to get there church we got to start now if we're gonna get there, we gotta go there now. We can't just keep kicking the can down the road, hoping that one day we arrive at a level of spirituality we've never known. We gotta start pursuing it with everything that's in us. Is there anybody here that hears the call from the deep today? Is there anybody here that feels a tug of the spirit? That God saying to you, let me take you deeper, child. Let me take you deeper. Is there anybody here that has a desire? God, show me your secrets. Reveal to me the hidden things.